I really don't know how to put across this, but about a month ago, or maybe two months ago, I tried to renew my mortgage um, to start the process going on mortgage. My mortgage is falling due at the end of this year for renewal. And so I went to a consultant, and they consulted the advisor, financial advisors, and they said, dude, forget it. You might as well get a mortgage for your mortgage. You know, things are that bad, right? It's like, you be, it's crazy. It's crazy at the moment. Just, just, just forget it for now. Um, and the last week, um, at work, and I wake up in the morning, I was working from home, and I fire up my computer, and all of a sudden, they say, there's a message at 9 o'clock. We have a meeting at 9 o'clock. And you're like, it's unusual. Normally, I, at the end of every day, I look at my meetings in the, next, in the, in the following day so that I, I can prepare it. So this one wasn't there. When I finished the day before, it wasn't there. This meeting wasn't there. But all of a sudden, it's there with a huge red exclamation mark agent. And there's a meeting. So we get around, and, um, and uh, the boss of my boss of my boss basically rolls out this message from the company that the company is retrenching uh, and massive. Just sword going left, right, and center, and just people just being handed out notices and all that, basically. And as I was thinking about all these things, and I'm like, this verse came to my mind, and it's, I know it's, it's not the context, but for some reason, this verse couldn't come to my mind. And Matthew chapter 24, and he says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. I mean, we're going to talk about this uh, as we look at this passage. Uh, chapter 24, uh, verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that Summer is nigh. And it hit me as clear as a bell. The context is absolutely, I know what the context is, 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 is about here. But it became very clear to me that we can be so easily distracted. It is so easy in the times that we live in, with so much uncertainty that is happening, it is very easy to be consumed with these things that we are going through. But as Christians, this verse to me hit me very clearly to say, what the Lord is saying here is, he's saying pay attention. I mean, we'll look at the, what the context is about here. He's saying pay attention to this. But in other words, keep an eye on this because this is what matters. You know? This is what matters. Now, it doesn't mean that the issues that we go through life, the challenges and the uncertainties are unreal. They are very real. But what is very clear to me when I this verse came to my mind is the fact that we should, as, as believers, we should always know that there are issues that we should not take our eyes off. There are issues that the Lord is interested in us to keep an eye on all the time. So as I was thinking about all these things, and then I decided, well, maybe I might, we might as well look at 
Matthew chapter 24. Now, the idea here is not to bring any ground-shattering revelation or anything amazing or new at all. Not at all. I am not that gifted. Um, the idea is just to remind ourselves as we go about our lives, to remind ourselves of some of these things that scripture has already told us in advance, to remind ourselves so that we don't get distracted, we don't get sidetracked by the things that are in this world, because that is exactly what the world wants. That is exactly what the enemy wants. We are praying about our sister Mariam. I know Mariam probably longer than all of you except Jim. Mariam will come a long way. And I remember when we went to Whitby. I don't know if you still remember Jim. We sat, we are having lunch. We sat on the park and that was the first time I, re- I had always thought that she's a quiet person who doesn't want to have anything to do. She sat beside me, and at that time, I missed my mom. My mom was still alive, and I missed her, and I couldn't go back to my country. And she spoke to me like a mother. And I just, she just captured my heart. And she became such an important figure in my life in that regard. So it's been years now since we last saw her. So, it, it, so her, her situation at the moment is that she has been stolen away, so to speak, by circumstances in her life. Yes, they are real. They are real. We're not, we don't try to believe those things. But now her mind is occupied with her circumstance and to the exclusion of the big things that the Lord wants us to keep track of. The reason why I preach about these things sometimes is because I want you, brothers and sisters, one day to remind me when I am the one who needs the help. Because I want you to pick me up when I'll be down and low. Remind me of these things so that I also will find the strength through you to come back to these things. As I grow old now, I am more convinced more than ever that scripture is so real. I remember Bartholomew, some of you would know Bartholomew, he came over the summer, and one of the things that he said to me was, how come you are so sure? When we were living together, I asked you this question again, and you told me that you never have a doubt about it. He said, how, can, how come you can be so sure? How can you explain somebody like that? It's a conviction. I don't know how to explain it to you. But there we, we, they, they are things that we have got to be convicted. And the, we need to be solid and be sure about scripture. That is the only way I have learned how to weather the life's challenges. When we know and stand on scripture, regardless, pay attention to what scripture says. 
Pay attention to the things that scripture wants us to be involved in. Pay, pay attention to those things that God knows that they will preserve you, that you need to keep your eye on. Why? Because there is competition for your attention out there. There is competition for your heart. There is competition for your soul. There is competition in your life. But you have got to be very convicted in your heart to be able to weather life's challenges that will come on our way. So let us look at some of the passages, but we're not going to talk about any amazing things, but let us just remind ourselves as we live in uncertain times, we don't know exactly how things are going to go. We, 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 we may be facing a very difficult time in the times that are going, to, are going to follow us. The economy, nobody knows what is going to happen. We don't know about our jobs. We don't know about Ukraine, how things are going to turn out. We don't know even about this COP, whatever is happening in Egypt. What does it mean to us? We, we can be so easily consumed with all these things and we are so vested into them that we lose sight of the thing. So when this verse came to me, it brought me back. I know it talks about a different thing, but it brought me back to say, look, take, pay attention. Look at the olives, at, 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 at the parable of the fig tree. Pay attention to what happens to the fig tree. That's the message. Pay attention to what happens to the fig tree. Pay attention to these things that God wants you to, to pay attention to. So let us look at some of uh, uh, um, uh, Matthew 24, some of the things that are raised up in Matthew 24. And Jesus went out, starting from verse 1, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye all these things. Verily I say unto you, they shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately and saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed what, uh, that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, say, saying, I am Christ, and I shall deceive, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse, in diverse places. All these are the beginning of the sorrows. They shall, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in, stand in the play, in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back uh, to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither in the 
on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, no ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or here, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive even the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For whosoever, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And there shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, ye when you shall see, you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And as always we trust that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word. Now, as we see here uh, from the beginning, the disciples were obviously impressed by what they were seeing by the temple. They were so absorbed into what they were seeing. And they, they actually were so impressed by the spectacle that the temple was, which was for the outside circumstances that they were in, that they actually so absorbed into it, they lost sight, so to speak, of the bigger things, the bigger picture. Uh, the temple is a big thing to the Jew and, and, and is, is a center of affection, so to speak, to the, to, to the, to, to the Jews. So the Lord had to bring them back to look at the bigger things, the things that they should be looking out for, the things that they should be meditating upon, the things that they ought to be investing their time and energies in. And he says to them, all these things that you see, not even one, one stone will be left on this temple. Now he is bringing them back to the plans of God. He is bringing them back to God's plan. And this is, if there's anything that I want to, you to take home, is to always come back to God's plan for us, his people. Because that is how we ought to look at things. That is what will determine us how we behave, how, how we interact with these different situations in our lives. And as soon as the Lord brings their perspective back to the things of the God, to the things of God, we realize that 
their perception changes all of a sudden right now it's no longer about how much the gold is of that 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 is on the temple actually they tell me historically that literally when they bent down the temple the gold melted by the fervent heat of the burning down and it 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 it, it, it flowed down from the pillars and went into between rocks the soldiers had to dig out the stones of the temple one by one to access the gold that had fallen through the cracks so scripture does not the lord scripture does not tell us things that are not scripture does not exaggerate scripture is true so historically this is true this is, this is actually happened so as soon as the lord brings them back to the things of god we see that their interests are tickled afresh again for the things of god if there is anything that we should be tickled about it should always be the things of god shouldn't it if there is anything that gives us a reason for getting out of bed, if for, for, for doing whatever it is that we do, it should be in the power and the joy, joy and enjoyment of the things of God. The only reason that we should be living, if you wake up in the morning and anybody comes and say, why are you alive today to do this? You should be able to say, because of the Lord. Because that is where our affection ought to be. And as soon as the Lord brings them back on track on the things of the God, or things of God, they are tickled back. Now they want to know more. And that is good, isn't it? We should always want to know more about the things of God. But now as we see here this passage, and the Lord explains to them what this passage is, now they are secretly alone. Now they are away from the crowds. One of the things that you learn most... Here from the pulpit, we'll try to give you as much as we possibly can. Right? But ultimately, the gold of the things of the Lord is when you are alone with the Lord in the, in the privacy of your home. I hope as believers, we don't open our Bibles on Thursday and on Sundays. I hope we do open them during the week. You, you have to. In fact, it is one of it goes back to those things. What is it that tickles you? What is it that keeps you going? I must confess, sometimes I think because I'm getting old. For some reason now, Jim, I wake up early in the morning. It's never heard of before. Now I can wake up. <laughs> now I can wake up early in the morning. I used to always read my Bible at the end of the day, in at night. But now I find myself, I read in the morning and I read in the evening. So which is I'm grateful for that to the Lord. So, <laughs> definitely it's progression. So, I am able now to read the Bible. And the things that I read in the Bible are the things that I enjoy and then go on to live the rest of the day. That's what powers me for the rest of the day. So, that's why we are unable to talk about the things that I'm talking about here. Because why? Because these things, I enjoy them alone at home. So this is so when the Lord takes the disciples and then He is alone with them, then He reveals them some of these mysteries that God wants us to know about. Now, one of the things that we learn very quickly about Scripture is that when it comes to these things of prophecy, Andrew actually spoke about this quite a lot. That Scripture has a way in which it can move from types to re, to to to. To, to, to predictions almost interchangeable right 
they can move from things that were a sign of something that is much bigger, that is still yet to happen. So this is what we see here, uh, what the Lord does, as he explains here about the events that are still yet to come. And he says to them, first warning, there is going to be claims of people. Right? There are people who are going to claim to be Christ. Now, let me say this. If you look at Matthew chapter 24, also go and look at Luke chapter 21. What you will notice is that this passage is very Jewish in character. God is not finished with the Jewish people. So as we go through this life, we should always know that God is not finished with the Jewish people. In fact, this verse that we just started with, keep an eye on the fig tree. This is God saying to us, keep an eye on the Jew. God's program is going to be revealed through his dealings with the Jew. We did Jehovah's Feast. You remember that pause that we spoke of from the fifth, fifth feast to the sixth feast, the blowing of the trumpets, and the one that is before that, which is the Pentecost. That pause in between. God going to resume his dealings with Israel later on. Because God's program is still is centered around his people. So now he explains to us and says, look, there is going to be many people that are going to come in my name. And this is because Israel knows. If you look at the question that the disciples ask, they say, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall the sign of thy coming of the end of the world? After it means the end of the age. So they have got two questions here. The disciples have got actually seem to understand that he who is amongst them is actually he who is going to come eventually. They get it. But the rest of the Jewish people, they don't. But one thing, one thing they understand is that there is going to be a coming Messiah. And you see here, as we go on for half time, it talks about the gospel of the kingdom. Now, there is the gospel. Gospel means the good news. There is the gospel of salvation, which is God saving us. Right? And there is also the gospel of the kingdom. By the very definition, a kingdom is that domain where the king reigns. United kingdom. Because we have a king. So the Jews understood that there is going to come a literal a physical time when there is going to be a king that is going to reign in their midst and establish a kingdom of God. So they knew that. But the disciples seem to understand that it is going to be the Lord who is going to come. But the rest of the Jewish people, they don't seem to understand. They know that someone is going to come, a Messiah is going to come, but they don't know, they don't realize that he's actually in the midst of them. So now, he explains to them that there's going to be many people who are going to come in my name. And secondly, there is going to be wars and rumors of wars. 
These things will come to pass, but the end is not yet. So these things are going to happen, but more things are still yet to take place. What are they? They will deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And all nations, hated of all nations for my name, for, for my name's sake, and then shall many be offended and shall be betrayed one another and shall hate one another. Now there is going to be a breakdown amongst families because of the faith. Now, this is not a political breakdown of because you voted the Democrat or you voted the Republican. No, this is not what is going to be. This is going to be a dissolution of relationships on account of this faith. Your faith and my faith. There is going to be a unity in the world on a concerted effort against the faith. And it's going to be so much so that it's not only going to be outside, it's going to come even inside, within families. It's going to touch those very close relationships on account of the faith. It's going to be so bad that those who will experience this will endure. Now, you don't endure something that is good. You endure something that is contrary. The lives of the people that will experience this will be an experience of everything contrary to them. Yes, we have persecution of some sort in this life that we live in today. But to be fair, we do get employed in the world. They pay our salaries. You go to the bank, you can get a mortgage, you can get a loan, you can go to the shops, you can buy. We are Christians, we can still buy. And some people can even say, Merry Christmas to you. But this is not going to be so. What this is talking about is not, is not, is not something that is going to be, oh, the persecution is happening. Some persecution is happening. It's going to be so distinct and so unique to Christianity that is going to be very difficult for people who are going to live on that time. And they will endure a lot from the world. Now, let us skip very quickly. And when you, therefore, shall see the abomination of desolation. Now, if you read in Daniel uh, chapter 9, we know where this, when this is. It is at the middle of the 70th week of Daniel. Now, I'm waiting your appetites. Go and read for yourself these things. It's going to happen in the middle of, 
of, of, of the 70th week. And that's the three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation that are spoken of in scripture. So we know it's going to be somewhere there in the very beginning. So the first half of the tribulation has gone and there's going to be a second half of the tribulation halfway, halfway point and there's going to be an abomination. Now, I don't know exactly what this is going to look like. I don't know. I've heard all sorts of theories how it's going to look like. But it's going to be very, very observable. And it seems it's going to be, when it happens, it's going to be obvious to people. Because scripture says, whosoever read it, let him understand. It seems there's a note about this particular incident. Now, I'm not well inspired enough to tell you exactly what that would look like. But what we know is that it's going to be very notable. It's going to be very noticeable. For those, those who are worrying about their mortgages and worrying about inflation, right? Probably they will miss it, right? But for those who are worried about the things of God, for those whose attentions, and this is why actually why I, I'm talking about this, for those whose attentions are drawn to the things of God and are, are, their eyes are pricked towards the things of God, they will understand this. They will know this. They will see it and they will understand it. It's not going to be something that Christians cannot understand. It's going to be something that Christians are going to understand when it happens on that day. And let them which, which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop come. Now, and then it talks about woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck. And this is the verse that I want to come to. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Now, the world has got a record of atrocities that have happened in the past. We remember in recent history the events of World War II. We know what happened to the Jews. We know what the world experienced. But what scripture is talking about here, the, the wars and rumors of war, the, all these wars that we are seeing, this is, all these things that we are seeing, they're just pep talk compared to what is really going to happen. The magnitude of these things will be so severe that if God did not supernaturally intervene, no flesh will be left. It seems it's either God is going to shorten the 24 hours. I don't know. Or it's either God is going to shorten daylight. I don't know. But God is going to intervene in such a supernatural way so that life will be preserved. Otherwise, for the believers, there'll be no time. Now, look at the warning. The warning that the Lord says, look, if you've got something, if you're in the housetop, run. If you're in the field, don't come back. What is this telling you and I today? Let us not let the things of this world hold us down. 
they can be perilous. You go back to try and go and fetch your, your shirt at that time, it's going to be very dangerous for you. What does that mean? It means the things that are in this world should not be things that we prize the most. They should not be. Because actually those things can actually cause us a lot of harm. They can threaten our lives. I don't know whether to talk about this, but I know somebody who said, unless God does this for me, I'm not going to come back to church. They became so wrapped up with that particular issue. They wanted that issue more than anything else. And this is what he's talking about. Don't go back to your sh- for your shed. Forget it. Forget it. It's not worth it. Is it really worth it? This particular individual is really worth it. Whatever it is. I know what it is. Because he told me. Is it really worth it for somebody who is a professing believer to end up not meeting with believers because they wanted something that is in this world, that this world has to offer. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it endangering ourselves in the things that we delight in and occupy ourselves in so that we actually put our souls in danger? Is it really worth it? You know, the Lord talk about, you know, if your eye makes you sin, just pluck it out. I mean, no sin, just let us be one-eyed believers and things like that. The point that the Lord is trying to say is, and this is coming back and say to the message that I'm trying to say here, is look at the more important things. Look at the weightier things. Let's keep our eyes on the weightier things. Then, verse 29, my time is running. And immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. What is very clear here, that we can, what we can know as believers, is that soon after these events, the Son of Man you shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. So we can know that the events that will precede the coming of the Son of Man will be these terrible events that will come to pass and exactly at the end of these events, the Son of Man, the Lord, will appear. Now if you look at um, Luke chapter 21, you find that the passage there in Luke chapter 21 ends, pauses, makes a pause of the times of the Gentiles. That should happen. It links directly to the events of AD 70 to the times of the Gentiles because, like we said, the Lord is taking a parallel or a picture which is at the events of 70 AD because they had asked, they had asked the question, 
When are these things going to happen? When is the temple going to be destroyed? And the Lord had then paralleled the events, immediate events that would happen at that time at AD 70, but to shadow a much bigger event that is still yet to happen. So now we see here the much bigger event in Matthew 24, that at the end of these events, the Son of Man shall then come from heaven, and then he shall gather his angels. Verse 34, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. What does this mean? This, there are three interpretations to this. One of them is, this generation, it may talk about the race, actually the original means the race of the Jews. The race of the Jews will not pass. In other words, no matter what persecutions that are going to be thrown to the Jews, they will endure until the Lord comes. Another interpretation, interpretation is that this generation, which the interpretation that I subscribe to, this generation, which generation is this? This generation that will witness these events. He's talking about what? This generation that will pass through all these things. This generation will not pass until these events have, gone, have, have happened. In other words, this is going to be a very short spot of intensive God's dealing. And it's not going to be a prolonged event. It's going to be an event that is going to span one generation. Those who will see the beginning, the generation that is going to see the beginning of these events will witness it to the end. In other words, they, the dealings of God are going to begin and end within one generation. Now, my time is gone. What are we saying tonight? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. The things that God has told us, they will happen. What did we say at the beginning? We can be distracted. We can be drawn away to some things that are happening in this world. And we can become consumed in them. And we lose sight of these things that God has told us. That certainly they will come to pass. I'll tell you how this translates in my everyday life. I don't know what tomorrow has in store for me. I honestly don't know. But I know what is to happen. What God is planning to happen. That matters to me more than what I am experiencing or the circumstance that I am in now. I say this with the honesty of heart to say unless we are so 
focused and so mindful of the things that God is saying to us, unless we are occupied and interested in the plans that God has in store for us, we will lose sight and we will wonder. We will have heart attacks and strokes because we are worrying so much about what is in this world. This world is not our place, folks. God has a plan. We know some of this, I mean, we just, we just cast, we just perused through, through, through the pages. God is working on a plan, and we don't know. What you notice in this passage as well is that it doesn't speak of the church. Like I said, it's very Jewish in character. I believe that because the church will be gone. God will be resuming his Jewish dealings with his Jewish people. We will be gone. And if we will be gone before these events, Thessalonians tells us that you know, he, he has not appointed us unto wrath. If we will be gone, so which means our departure is so imminent that we don't afford to take our eyes off these things. It's not worth it. Let us pray. Our precious Lord, we, we know, Lord, that there are many things for which we have no answers. We know, O oh Lord, that there are real issues in the believers' lives that are painful, that are hurtful. That sometimes, O oh Lord, it feels like we don't know what to do. But we thank you, Lord, for your word. That in all of this, we can be sure of your plans, O oh Lord, that you are about to reveal to the world. And that, O oh Lord, we are in your plans. And that the plans for us are very, very good. Therefore, Lord, help us as we go about our lives in this temporal world that, Lord, we do not lose sight of these things that matter the most and invest ourselves in the things that are lasting. These things, Lord, we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.